everyone and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the heart of East Yorkshire, England, where we are in the thick of autumn. It is mid-October 2021 as I record this. And it doesn't hurt to put the date, the recording date in here because... Um, people listen to these this is the nature of podcasts isn't it once they're out there they're out there and they could be listened to at any time so it doesn't hurt to have a frame of reference for people listening in the future but it's cool out there we've had quite a mild autumn a very mild autumn so far but now it it seems to have changed it's it's feeling more typical for mid-October it's a sort of morning where well I've I've been outside this morning already and it's uh, it's one of those days where you see your breath in front of your face uh, just to just to indicate how cool <laughs> how cool it is out there, uh, but it being mid October 2021, of course we are what are we now three and a half weeks away from Dexter New Blood. Excitement is building, content is out there. There'll be no spoilers on here because I'm uh, aware, and this was the original intention for these rewatch podcasts is that they could be a companion for people watching Dexter for the first time and that they could watch an episode and, and listen to these as a, as a companion uh, to help ruminate and, and cogitate about um, about what you've just seen and obviously a, a trip down memory lane for season viewers so certainly there'll be no spoilers of, of New Blood or anything that's that's yet to come in in Dexter so uh, people listening for the first time and watching for the first time can can listen with confidence so we are cracking on with season 3 after <laughs> after a very long hiatus following the recording of 301 ooh probably a few years ago now um so we're up to episode 4 of season 3 New Blood is starting in three weeks, so I may get another one of these out before before that starts on November the 7th. And then it'll be all systems go for the new stuff. Uh, there is a bit of a housekeeping comment. I, I'm kind of torn about the podcast feed and how to order episodes in the feed. This... It seemed logical to me to have the episodes in series order. So when you look at the feed on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, the earliest episodes are season one, followed by two, three, and so on. And that all the stuff covering more recent seasons would be at the top of the list. Which will probably make more sense sometime in the future, perhaps, because the problem is that when I produce one of these rewatch podcasts for season three and uh, tweak the published date so it appears with the other season three episodes in episode order of, of the show, they don't appear as a new episode for people, for, for current subscribers, if that makes any kind of sense. I have had some, some feedback from um, a few listeners who have found episodes popping up that they hadn't realised were there because they're not, the, iTunes, the, the podcast feed doesn't automatically download it, recognising it as a the most recent episode. I hope I'm probably doing a very bad job of describing the problem. Um, I think, obviously, I, w- I want people to listen to these. <laughs> it's no good hiding them away in the middle of the feed and, and nobody catching it. Um, even Travis, who sent in feedback a, a, um, 
uh, recently he uh, he was struggling to find it and 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 that's no good uh when when you want to listen to yourself on the podcast and you can't find it uh so apologies uh to anyone this is uh, this has caused issues for i will put the correct the accurate publishing date on future episodes so they appear as new ones for you guys uh, so hopefully that won't happen again and maybe sometime down the line when we're all finished i'll i'll go back retrospectively and and resort them okay so enough of that housekeeping nonsense uh here we go then latest episode season three episode four all in the family original air date the 15th of may 2009 directed by keith gordon and written by adam fierro this is his only dexter writing credit but he was a consulting producer for season three only season three He's worked as a producer on high-profile shows like The Shield and 24, but never darkened Dexter's doorstep again. Not sure why. It's, uh, it's a decent episode. Here we go. So we open this episode with quite a light-hearted scene. Aster and Cody are playing lightsabers. Not sure if there's ever been another Star Wars reference in Dexter since, but this made me smile. Cody wearing a black Darth Vader cape. Newbie domestic Dexter clumsily announces to them that a baby's on the way. Cody says he'd rather have a puppy and Dex says, oh, you can have both. Which draws a WTF glance from Rita. (laughs) Bless him. He's got so little experience of navigating family life and how things often require a bit of tact and a delicate touch. Aster doesn't look impressed and points out how they're not married. This catches them both on the back foot, and while Rita beats a hasty retreat, Dexter muses how family man, husband, father sounds much better than lives alone, keeps to himself, like he's profiling himself. He does entertain the marriage idea, though, but Rita shoots it down, although Cody's excited at the prospect of Dexter being his dad. Very sweet. They go for a barbecue at the Prado's. Miguel and his brother are having a heated discussion off to the side while Rita explains why she reacted like that about marriage. She's perfectly perfectly reasonable about it. Dexter shouldn't feel obliged to get married just because of the pregnancy, which is what happened with Paul. She points out that being a husband and a dad are two very different things. Getting married should be out of real love. In voiceover, Dexter says how he doesn't understand what real love is. Now, it's fair to assume that Rita is his first proper partner and we have seen how he genuinely cares for her. I suspect what he feels probably is love. He just doesn't recognise it or have any previous romantic experience to go by. Ramon uh, Ramon storms off. Is it Ramon or Ramon? Ramon. Ramon storms off from the party. (laughs) Like... He's like a dog with a bone and can't rest while he thinks their brother's killer's still out there. Miguel wants to tell him Freebo's dead, but Dexter points out that, that it's his secret too and he doesn't want him to know. Miguel respects this and understands, but Dexter's concerned that hot-headed Ramon is a loose cannon. Then, continuing the theme of parenting not being easy, particularly when they're not your kids, <laughs> Asta clashes with one of Miguel's children. Dexter tries to gently intervene, but Asta snaps at him that, You're not my dad. This is jarring for Dex and Rita, but perfectly understandable. Asta's older than Cody, and where he feels excitement about having a new dad, she's old enough to feel differently, as much as she surely likes Dexter. She probably resents her real father being replaced. Rita has her own theory, though. 
and who am I to contradict the mother? <laughs> she thinks it's just because Asta's worried that the new baby will mean she'll drop down in the pecking order, drop down in importance, and just needs some reassurance. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Dexter attends a crime scene where a man lies on the floor, bludgeoned to death. The fiance, Fiona Kemp, sits nearby, spattered in blood, looking vacant and upset. I found that a bit odd, why they'd leave her sitting right there next to the body of her dead partner. Convenient for the scene, I guess, but in real life, I'd be amazed if this would actually happen. She's played by actress Julie Emery, who I recognise from Better Call Saul, and more recently in Bosch. Great show, that, if you haven't seen it. They're both great shows. Deb and Quinn examine the scene. It seems that this is a case of breaking and entering gone wrong. Deb questions Fiona, who wants to reminisce about how she met her fiancé, while Deb's impatient to stay on point and find out about the killer. Dexter, on the other hand, is earwigging, listening in on what true love's like. Fiona gets agitated at the prospect of going in to make a statement, but Quinn intervenes, showing that even though he might be quite a Casanova, and, yeah, maybe he's been painted as potentially a little bit of a douchebag, it can make him adept at handling a female witness, especially this one. Deb's impressed at this hidden talent. Meanwhile, Rita's at work at the hotel and having a tricky phone call with Asta, trying to smooth things over. She's all stressed out when she has to then deal with an awkward guest. Quite a cliché plot device to just be antagonistic and the actress does a good job of having a bad attitude and being all entitled. Rita tries to appease her but ends up letting it, letting it get to her and it seems to cost her a job. Dexter, meanwhile, is trying to get close to Ramon and see just how much of a problem he's going to be. He constructs a reason for them to coincide at a bar and tries to make positive conversation but Ramon's not in the mood. He tries to identify with him by mentioning that he lost his mother, but the grief got easier when he accepted the loss. It's pretty clumsy communication again, and he totally underestimates the situation. Ramon pushes back and says Miami Metro needs to do its job better before anyone can move on. So clearly, he's not letting go, letting go of that bone anytime soon. That night, LaGuerta visits Miguel at his office and brings up the witness who can exonerate Chicky Hines. She's insistent that the witness report checks out if only Miguel would talk to them. It's clear that Miguel has no intention of doing so and risking his conviction being overturned. He basically says that Hines is a, a career criminal and is happy to just get the result of putting him away even if he didn't do this particular crime. I would say that he's clearly an ambitious man but one with a big ego and appearances important to him. He doesn't want to look foolish or weak by having one of his cases fall apart especially when he has lofty goals. However, he turns things back on LaGuerta, brings up Dokes being her partner and how she didn't believe it and that this may be clouding her judgment here. It feels a bit manipul manipulative. Blah, manipulative. <laughs> and it is not a nice quality. Want to end up on my table? Email dissectingdexter at gmail.com At Miami Metro... They're discussing the murder from earlier when Masuka comes in holding tickets to the conference where he's giving a speech, a keynote speech. Suddenly, they're all really busy and he sees through the lame excuses. 
Dexter, though, accepts a ticket and muses how Masuka is taken on the role of office jester and that people only respond to him when he's being funny. This notion of roles is another theme this episode, as he was doing with Aster earlier, and himself too, father, husband. It's funny how he's actually right. We all have roles in life, don't we? Within the household, within the family, within your office, the social club, whatever. It reminds me of the speech from Shakespeare's uh, As You Like It, how all the world's a stage and we all have our parts to play. Deb's working with Fiona Kemp, but they just don't have a rapport, and it's another opportunity for Quinn to show his softer side. In the scheme of things, this case has no bearing on the wider plot, but it seems to be a device for us to see a different side of Quinn. He's not done much so far, apart from flirting a bit with Deb and being a bit of an ass about his CI, and of course the question mark about his integrity because of this IA person, uh, Yuki, hounding Deb. Credit for, for trying to develop the character, though. Later, Deb's... Uh, not Deb. Dexter is comforting Rita as she's merrily puking her guts up in the toilet. How lovely. The subject of marriage comes up again because she's down about not having a job. Being pregnant, no health insurance. Dexter points out that, as his wife, she would have the benefit of his assets and insurance. Maybe another reason to get married, but again, not the reason she's looking for. We then get a little insight into the darker side of Batista's life post-divorce. He's wanting to indulge with a working girl, but she spots his police badge on his belt, and to his horror, she discreetly reveals her own police badge. Oh shit. She's obviously working vice and didn't expect to encounter a fellow officer. She's quite good about it and gives him a pass so he's not in trouble. However, I feel a bit sorry for him here. Batista's a good guy, isn't he? And why shouldn't he want some female company post-divorce? But it's the fact that he's having to pay for it, and that's the sad part for me. A good man like that. He deserves to be someone nice and legit. The same night sees Dex and Miguel bonding over a beer, and the clash with Ramon comes up. Miguel wants to tell him about Freebo being dead. Dexter does not want this to happen, and in voiceover, again, using this episode's running theme of people having roles, he says that he needs to paint Ramon as the bad guy. I know he's hot-headed and being painted as a loose cannon, but you can understand Ramon being obsessed with finding his brother's killer. We're clearly not meant to like him, though. In the office, Masuka's trying to bribe colleagues with donuts, uh, channeling a bit of Dexter there. But bribing them with donuts and tickets to go with the donuts <laughs> to go and support him at his keynote speech. He says to Dexter, well, it works for you. And Dex says, it's like the blind leading the blind, which struck me because it sounds more like something he'd say in voiceover. Otherwise, it's like an open admission that he hands out donuts because he thinks it's what you do to fit in and ingratiate yourself with people. Masuka doesn't pick up on it, though. I do like these little moments, almost throwaway moments in the scheme of things, but fun for the characters, little character moments. Masuka presses Quinn about why no one wants to support him in his little moment of professional glory. And he gets the blunt answer. He's the obnoxious office joker and people just don't take him very seriously. This must sting because Masuka certainly enjoys his work. He's just got a very... Um, perverted and inappropriate sense of humour which, like Quinn says, can be funny but it can also be really off-putting. 
Elsewhere in the office, it feels like LaGuerta and Miguel could be on a collision course as she checks in with Batista about that witness in the Chicky Hines case. He says the alibi was watertight and Hines is innocent in this case. LaGuerta is no fool and she knows that her old friend Miguel is remiss here, not looking into it, and she's torn between doing what's right and loyalty to her friend. Batista, a little bit later, gets a visit from the vice cop he tried to pay for sex. Bit awkward. She gives him a lecture and you can see he's distraught and he knows he's let himself down. There he is, Batista the good guy. She's looking down her nose at him. She's busted a hundred guys and has heard every excuse in the book. But he lays himself bare, acknowledging past mistakes, how he destroyed his marriage, and how he's just a lonely, alcoholic cop. I felt really sorry for him here. We'd not had any clue that he was actually an alcoholic, per se, and I don't recall if this ever gets addressed again uh, down the line in the show, but we should keep an eye out for him drinking alcohol again. Just out of interest, harking back to this, this line about being alcoholic and whether that's perpetuating. Ramon Prado marches into the bullpen and you can tell from the wonky camera angle that he means business. He demands answers from LaGuerta. He rejects her assurances and claims to have had a tip from someone saying they've seen Freebo around town. Dexter's watching and of course we know where that tip-off came from, don't we? He's pushing Ramon's buttons to try and get him to incriminate himself somehow make a scene and get himself in trouble. We get a fun scene next with Dexter in his art room, paper on the walls, whacking a dummy on the head and checking out the blood spray. It's fun watching him at play, and we've had scenes like this before. Then uh, Deb comes in, and she enjoys having a go. <laughs> However, their fun reveals something fishy about Fiona Kemp's report. It suggests she might actually be the killer, so... Deb gets her in the interview room and gives her a grilling. And she gets all fired up before Quinn intervenes and ends up getting a confession. I love Deb and Dex watching on the monitor. Quinn in action. Deb's huffy about Quinn playing her, but Dex is fascinated how Fiona believes that that guy made her real. She had a fantasy about being with him. And I think Dexter's drawing a parallel between him and Rita. Does she make him real? Later, when Deb challenges Quinn about this, he dishes out a bit more truth, like he did with, with, uh, like he did with Masuka. He says she's got one tool in the box, the sledgehammer approach, getting aggressive and pushy. Quinn let her play the classic good cop, bad cop game, but didn't let her know she was playing. It worked out, but only because he didn't let her in on it. This is a learning experience for Deb and hopefully one she'll take on board. As they say, softly, softly, catchy monkey. Kid gloves and all that. A more gentle approach is often required and this clearly doesn't come naturally to the hot-headed Deborah Morgan. Later, Yuki Amado brings this case up with Deb and tries to use it to paint Quinn in a bad light, like he's selfish and uses people for his own agenda. Makes you wonder what axe she's grinding. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. LaGuerta goes to talk to Ellen Wolfe and tells her about the witness that Miguel is choosing to overlook. She's obviously decided to satisfy her conscience and take action to ensure justice can be done. Ellen Wolfe certainly won't overlook a chance to get her client out of jail. 
I have to admit, with the way they're depicting LaGuerta with Ellen, I did wonder, just for a moment, if they were setting them up for a little flirtation. Ellen Wolfe seems to be a dogged defence attorney and the sort that police hate. <laughs> when she finds any loophole or technicality that she can to get her clients off. To be fair, she's doing the job she's being paid for, but potentially putting bad people back on the streets. And that's Miguel's problem. It's another one of those perpetual quandaries of the legitimate justice system. So Dexter continues the manipulation of, uh, of Ramon Prado, but also Miguel, playing some mind games, I think, suggesting that they should tell him about Freebo being dead. It's a dirty trick because apart from having a fiery temper and having made a scene, we don't know that R Ramon is actually, whether he's actually done anything wrong and is perfectly justified in feeling upset about his brother's death and the lack of progress. They find Ramon drunk at a, bra at a bar. At a bra. <laughs> I'm tripping over my tongue today, aren't I? I do apologise. They find Ramon drunk at a bar and Dexter plays the situation into becoming a fight as he gets the doorman involved. I take no pleasure in manipulating Miguel this way. Still, I think he preferred to my usual alternative. So he does feel bad about manipulating Miguel like this. But what does he mean by alternative? It's not like Ramon fits the code to just get dispatched and his body parts dropped into the Gulf Stream. Hmm. The next day, Miguel is bemoaning the fact that he's not left with anyone he can trust apart from Dexter. Seems like the trick worked and his trust in Ramon is broken. Dexter wonders at the roles he's taking on. Friend, brother, father, potential husband. He wonders whether through playing a part long enough, does it become real? His is an interesting perspective, stemming from a lack of self-belief, poor self-esteem and a large degree of social inexperience since he was held back for so long by Harry. He's convinced himself he's not a real person, he's not human or normal, but let's face it, plenty of people who struggle socially or aren't confident of their place in the world, their role, if you like, if we're sticking to this week's theme. Plenty of people struggle like Dexter, but don't kill. That's the only difference, really, between Dexter and everyone else who struggles in these ways. He just doesn't see it. Such long-term reinforcement of misguided beliefs. We end the episode with him speaking from the heart to Rita and the kids, and he had me convinced that he was being genuine. Rita, we're connected. Wherever I am, I feel you. And the kids, with me. You're what makes me real. I want us to always go out for banana splits and replant the lemon tree that keeps dying. And I never, ever want to miss a pizza night. <laughs> and that's how I know I want to marry you. <laughs> because something as simple as pizza night's a highlight of my week. But not without the kids. Cody, Aster, you guys are my family. I'm gonna hang on to you for dear life. Please, say yes. 
<laughs> yes, we will marry you. <laughs> Most actors toil in obscurity, never stepping into the spotlight. But if you hone your craft, work diligently, you might just find yourself cast in the role of a lifetime. And then he has to go and spoil it. It was a lovely speech, and I think I'd have agreed to marry him too. Then the voiceover, affirming that he thinks he's just acting. The role of a lifetime. A statement that could mean any one of a few things, really. Is he completely faking this? What's to gain from marrying her if he doesn't really love her? She's giving him an easy out. He could still just be a father to the child without marriage and still see Rita, perhaps. If it's about maintaining cover, the facade, the semblance of normality, marriage isn't essential to that. I think he's convinced himself he must be acting and his expression in that final frame is open to interpretation. I think he's unsure of his own perspective, that he has a doubt about whether he's acting and this warm, fuzzy feeling inside as Rita, Aster and Cody hug him. It could be real. The season still feels like the chessboard is being set. Dexter's got Miguel's trust and trust him, trusts him to a degree in return, but clearly there are still limits to that. And as we see in glimpses of Harry, deep down he knows this is all a bad idea, but it feels like he has to try. Such is his fundamental need to find someone he can completely be himself with. The Ramon problem, the one of Miguel feeling the urge to let him in on their Freebo secret, seems to have, seems to have abated. Uh, we've got LaGuerta talking to the enemy. That can only end badly for her friendship with Miguel. <laughs> A man she's always admired and respected and, and even once loved, but now that respect has been dented in a big way. And what of Masuka? Now he feels like he's just the office joke. Will he go postal? And will Ramon and Sodaquist crack the Skinner case and be rewarded with their own spin-off show? I know one listener who would definitely watch that one. Only here on Dissecting Dexter do we, do we dare ask these important, earth-shattering questions. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. We'll be asking some more earth-shattering questions next time. And if you have any of your own or any thoughts on how this season's going, you can reach out to me. Email is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter at dissectdexter or the Facebook page, facebook.com slash dissectingdexter. The podcast is now available all over the place. It's available on Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, iTunes, um, I'm forgetting one, Stitcher, and on Facebook itself. So um, there's no excuse to miss it. Unless I mess up the published dates and the new episodes are kind of hidden in amongst the feed, the feed somewhere, but we'll we'll sort that out moving forward. <laughs> and on that uh, unprofessional note, I'll say thanks very much for listening. And until we dissect some more Dexter, which we will be doing very soon, and particularly New Blood, watch out, watch this space. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.